listening and watching Rashkin Report. I'm your host, Yuri Rashkin, and joining me today uh, from Toronto, Canada is uh, Dr. Valery Bilanin. Dr. Bilanin, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Nice to see you. I'm glad that we had a chance to speak because um, both of us have experience, obviously, living in the former Soviet Union, and now the life in the United States and Canada and seemingly all over the world uh, is this kind of this inspired by USSR existence where all of a sudden we're thinking about maybe we're going to have shortages and we're going to have things that the missing that we're used to having that there's lines. I remember thinking I like living in the United States. There's no lines for stuff, you know, and now there is lines and, and maybe there's a line for toilet paper too. So, oh my gosh. So I was thinking maybe uh, there's some good tips and suggestions that we can share with people based on our experience. So what do you think, doctor? Wow, I think a great question. Yeah, I was born in the USSR and lived all my most of my life there and witnessed the perestroika and the crash of the system and exchange of the money several times, three times, I believe. And that's a very huge trauma. It's a very traumatic experience. When I was like five, five six years old, I was sent to stand in the line for flour to, to bake bread. And I was standing there for two or three hours among big people, and I was given two kilos of this and carrying it heavy weight. And you were and, five years old? Yeah. Wow. It was during Khrushchev's time. That was, uh, he went to the United States, and then he uh, came back and said, we'll grow, pop, uh, we'll grow popcorn. Corn. Corn. Yeah, and yeah. there was no flour. I think this was like 1962 or something like that. Yeah, and so there was no flour. Okay. Right. So just, it, you know, almost just like two weeks ago. <laughs> right. It was a very traumatic experience. And then later when there was the shortage of everything and we we're staying in the, in the, in the lines for hours, uh, actually, and I was lucky once to stay in the line until I was given a big piece of meat. And then uh, the butcher used his uh, small finger and bought, uh, got a piece of bone under this very good piece of meat and he said well you you are lucky to have this uh, one kilo of meat why, why are you complaining but it was the same price or so it was always a, a strain and the numbers on the palm once I found myself in the middle of the line for some butter I don't remember and I got a pen and I wrote myself the number and then I found that Everyone had the number, but in red pen. Mine was in blue one. So I could have them killed easily there. So <laughs> I ran away. And this is, well, this is experience that I don't think it can be transferred. I don't think it's a very good experience. Sure. But surviving in these crowds and these shortages, uh, it's just having the dignity and keeping the dignity. That's the main problem here. Is there, is the dignity? No, there is no dignity in the line. You are just someone who is moving. But that was an experiment. I believe it was in the United States when the people in the line for the, well, the air tickets were told that there would be no flight, flight tonight. And uh, the big guys, only five tickets are left. And there were like 20 people there. And the big guys started pushing all those uh, disabled people. And they were just rushing for this. So every... Uh, everything changed in a moment. They became not civilized people, but they just became someone who is rushing for what they need as a, not animal, but not homo sapiens, definitely. So the lines, it's, it's an evil. 
So, uh, so when you are uh, now experiencing anything similar, and there are certain similarities between our situation now and what we've experienced in Soviet Union, do you have like a post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, or, or do you go, I know what to do here? Well, maybe both, maybe both. Yeah, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. I couldn't go and couldn't buy the toilet paper or the paper towels or rice. Well, it just waited for this to slow down and I bought it a little bit more expensive, but I have it. I can be in my house for two weeks, for two months, probably. Yeah. As, as a person from Russia, is it easier to stay inside and stay in the house and not go anywhere or, or everybody got cabin fever? Uh, yeah, luckily I've got a house with a big uh, backyard, so and the park nearby is and we're allowed to go in the parks and uh, I ride a bicycle uh, and walk in the evenings and well, it's, it's important to move because when the person is not moving, everything is uh, in stagnation. The thoughts are not the thoughts, but the same ruminations are going over and over in the head. So doing uh, some exercises, doing some stretches, whether it's yoga, whether it's push-ups, is extremely important for the brain to work and to, to bring some oxygen. Do you feel that there is a difference in how people of different education levels or types of jobs handle this crisis, not because necessarily they have a job or they don't have a job, but how people just handle this uh, Stay at home, don't do anything, sit on the couch, watch Netflix for the next several weeks or a month. I mean, it's exhausting too. But like in my, for my part, I go, yeah, I can go downstairs and, and work and, and record music and, and do all sorts of different things. Um, but that's not universal. Uh, so do you feel that there's any, you know, any, any way to say, oh, this person is going to have a hard time <laughs> with the quarantine? Um, you know, or, or how do you approach that? It's a huge temptation to put uh, a label on a person and right. to see his type and to predict his behavior. But what's important for me also is the situation we are in. We sometimes neglect this. And if the situation is dangerous, a lot of people will behave in a similar way. If the situation is relaxing, a lot of people will be uh, singing humming songs, you know? So the situation puts a huge strain on everyone. Well, introverts, maybe it's, it's easier. I work from home, so I have a lot of books. I watch uh, Shakespeare, you know, uh, I feel happy and I'm not disturbed. But others people who are active extroverts, maybe they suffer a lot. Maybe who have companions or who are working uh, in labor, they need to move something. I don't need to move, I'm just moving my thoughts, you know. Well, maybe there is a difference, huge difference. We, we came from a, from a country that was always in crisis. And here we live in a land that is now you know, shifting into crisis. Do you think that it is better for us to get used to this as the new normal? Or is it better for us to not get used to this and say, this is not normal. We don't want to get used to this. What is a healthier way to handle this? Well, if the doctor says, two meters uh, distance, a hockey stick in Canada, and alligator in <laughs> Florida, well, then it's better to follow this advice. Well, I prefer to trust uh, the experts. For example, I have this newspaper. This is the Epoch Times printed in probably in Taiwan, in Taiwan and they said 10,000 uh, 
fake uh, accounts are created. Uh, 21,000,000 uh, cell phone users less in China. That means 21 million people died already in China. Well, I don't know how to verify this. I just try to neglect this, not to fall into this stuff and to think that we are still have the collective uh, ratio and collective intelligence to overcome this and to become stronger. Like after 9-11, I uh, witnessed, I was very close to the United States at that moment and I saw how, how the country just get or got organized. Here are the heroes. Uh, here are the ways we can help each other. Uh, those are the enemies, but we are one nation. It was a very healthy way to overcome that traumatic experience. So but at the same time, we also thought that, you know what, if you're in New York, you're going to be in higher danger. And if you're in Beloit, Wisconsin, you're going to be in lower danger. Because what terrorist would want to, you know, we don't have skyscrapers, that kind of thing. So even though that's not entirely accurate thinking, but I think a lot of people use that to kind of keep themselves calm and, and their emotions at bay. This is a different situation. Yeah, the enemy is invisible, right? Right. It, it's, it can be anywhere. And I don't think there is a recipe. I don't think there is a recommendation. Just keep safe, keep, keep the distance, wear the mask in public, um, wash your hands 20 seconds, and just hope for the best. Get ready for the worst, but hope for the best. That's the best advice I can. <laughs> Uh, Valery is, um, is you know Soviet Union survivor. Um, do you hoard food? Do you stock up for a month at a time? You know, like uh, Mormon culture, for instance. I used to live in Utah, and there's a, a Mormon culture of uh, saving up food and, and building up storage of food for an extended period of time. That's what's been there since the pioneer days, and that's part of the culture. Um, how do you see your Russian side handling this? Yeah, when in Moscow there was shortage of detergents, I had consumer card with my photo and two children's names written on it. I could buy a lot of this detergent. I bought it. I had it for five years and it was in the closet, which I was passing by several times a, a day. And I had that smell of this detergent. So maybe my health <laughs> became worse. So it's good to store it in some place and if you have money and then you will throw it away well it's up to you to store i don't think well buy some but i don't believe in store in shortage of food i don't believe that you need to save it for one year or two years it, i don't know if it's a military base then you have, but on a personal level i really don't know is there a level of um, gratitude that is missing or is it just different emotions that we're discussing here? Because most people in Russia live far worse than most people in the United States and, or in Canada. And yet most people in the United States and Canada are not happy with this situation. We don't like being held back in our houses, not being allowed to venture out and go wherever we want to. Is this, are, are we just ungrateful for what we have or is this human nature to, um, to, to, I don't know, be unhappy if we don't get whatever we want or, or what is, what's going on here? Yeah, there were research that showed that in South Africa, there was low level of happiness. And then after the perfect disappeared, it, it rose and then it went again to the same level, same level. So people keep their level of happiness or disapproval of something at the same and any decision taken will have 20% of people who are not, do not agree with something. That's a kind of normal 
you know, and but not being grateful for what you have. You have vast territory, you have huge resources. When I worked in Pittsburgh, uh, a helicopter would fly uh, passing by my window on the 17th floor to the university hospital. You have the greatest resources and system which works in system, not only the people, not the vertical of power like in the Soviet Union, but really system. So being grateful is extremely important, but having anger is also understandable. So lowering the level of anger, taking responsibility for your own life and your significant others, it's better than being angry at something and not doing anything uh, in a positive way. That's my message. It seems like it's really hard for us here to square away how we can have our own rights and yet respect the rights of others. Even though it seems like kind of when you think about it, you should, you know, you have your own personal freedoms, but then they affect others and, and those other people have a right rights as well. Um, what is this about us as human beings that just kind of says, you know what, I don't really care about other people to, to a certain extent I do, but then I really don't. Is this the 20% rule that you just described or is that something different or is this a crisis mode or, or what, what's going on? Well, if there is a law in, in the country and the law and uh, your, uh, we have CRA and you have IRS, you know, that's the two uh, constraints of our freedom. And if we don't accept them, then we are criminals, then we are offenders, and then we confront some legal system. And what's the point of uh, fighting the system if it's uh, well organized and if it's um, I don't know, very systematic and the restrictions are temporary and it's not for, for, forever and they are important to, if someone falls ill, I don't care, but if he takes my uh, bed in the hospital, uh, that will be the problem for me. I was expecting a hip replacement uh, therapy and it was canceled because of the, this coronavirus four days before the surgery. So I'm angry, extremely angry. What, what should I do? Should I yell at everyone or should I try to adjust to cope with my own health problems and to wait patiently until it's done? Well, I'm losing a lot of energy when I'm angry and when I'm accepting, it, when I'm coming down and getting to my own values and feelings and thinking what is best for me and for, for others, then I'm having more resources. And I'm, you know, I'm living a more meaningful life than just being angry at everything and blaming everyone. And yeah. it's an interesting point because I think most people would, well, not most people, but I think that being angry creates energy release. I think that's why people sometimes will snap at somebody because it's just it's energy that's trying to get out. And you're saying accept it. But I think a lot of us will probably equalize accepting with suppressing, which are different things, but they kind of feel from the outside almost the same because this person is not yelling at anybody, which is good. But did they accept it? Are they suppressing it? Does it really matter to me? No, it matters to us individually with our own feelings. So any suggestions there? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's a common misunderstanding. If you don't express your anger, you become very angry and like a, a pot, you'll, everything will blow up. Well, as a therapist, I worked with angry people and it's an angry management uh, procedure. And 
I cannot manage the anger when it's already there, but I can manage it before it starts. I had a client who was very angry at her boyfriend who left her and she started beating on my chair and she almost broke it and she hit her fist. And then we learned some techniques. Just think about the outcomes. Think about the consequences. Think about your responsibility before someone is doing something. And think about yourself more than about others. And then express your own feelings with I sentences. I don't think this is correct. I think this should be changed. And then listen to others. And then to just be a civilized person because the beast inside is definitely stronger than this part of this brain. We're being told right now that we're being good citizens and responsible citizens by basically sitting at home and watching TV. Do you feel that this can have negative consequences? On our psyche? Well, uh, once I believe it was in Solzhenitsyn's work that the, uh, the prison is not a very good experience. It doesn't uh, teach you anything. Being in the prison of own uh, house, even if it's four walls or 24 walls, whatever, it's not the best experience. But nobody forces you to watch TV. There are a lot of free courses. There are a lot of uh, great uh, performances on TV. Watch, I don't know, Cirque du Soleil or something which is a pleasurable activity. Try to uh, enjoy uh, mindfulness eating, mindfulness walking, trying to enjoy the moment. Try to do the best. Do some, do some, find some hobby. Uh, contact, contact other people who haven't you seen for a lot of time. Right side gratitude letters. Just do something what's psychotherapists said. They are very clever people. Uh, they knew what they were suggesting. Just follow the advice of um, clever people. Just don't waste your time. Don't waste your life. Dr. Bilenin, I'd like to ask you a question that has to do with actually uh, today's news. Uh, just recently, uh, really right before we started speaking, uh, there was an announcement that Canada is now um, um, banning 1,500 kinds of different assault weapons. I didn't know there were that many kinds, but what do I know? So 1,500 kinds of assault weapons. Granted, we don't have, uh, Canada doesn't have Second Amendment, but what are your thoughts on this? Is this something connected with the pandemic or is this something that's just been in the works and this is a thing that most Canadians support, not support? What is your experience with this? Well, I believe Canadians are peaceful people and there is not too much gun violence, although lately it was much more for the last two years. It was a lot of violence in the streets compared to uh, the previous years. So there was a law uh, which came in today. As of today, it's prohibited to have assault weapons in Canada to buy and we have two years uh, grace period when people can trade it in so everyone i believe a lot of canadians were ex expect, expecting these because we don't think that guns are necessary for everyday life just words are much better um, and well i think it's a it's a very good thing i like it guns don't help against viruses do they <laughs> definitely you cannot <laughs> shoot if i have to say very small bullet you know what you know <laughs> Uh, Dr. Bilanin, 
couple of words about the emotional charge that uh, a stress such as this pandemic carries. How can we uh, handle our emotions in this setting? Plus, we have uh, politicians who play on our emotions and uh, for very selfish reasons. Um, granted, the United States is in a little bit different situation these days. But what is? how can somebody that is just trying to get through, not President of the United States, not Canadian Prime Minister, but just every one of us. What, what should we do to stay emotionally healthy? Wow, great question. Well, emotions are more strong than just words, than just uh, logics. It's, we, take, we make emotional decisions faster. And then only later we think about this. So, and that brings a lot of people a lot of troubles, a lot of problems. I hate that person, so I should run away or hit him. Well, instead of, well, something is going wrong, what's the best solution? Just slowing down, uh, just taking, breathing in, holding the breath, breathing out, and then thinking again about the situation. What is this person communicating to me? He is angry because of some personal situation or some financial um, issues that he's pursuing, or what's the message I am getting on emotional level and on logical level? He wants me to go out and to yell freedom uh, down with uh, this situation, and etc., etc., and it resonates with me, for example, with someone else and does it makes the world better place for for everyone not only for me just thinking a little bit ahead and applying reasonable grounds for action but not for not reacting immediately but responding in a proper way that's what's important because we can react easily but thinking and calculating and finding and looking for other options and then responding that's what will make the world better and your life better. Is it important to understand how vulnerable we are emotionally? That how easily we can be manipulated? Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, in this situation, when we have a lot of restraints, when we have a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, and nothing in prediction, it was for two weeks, now it's for two months, now it's for two years, and everything is changing so fast, and we're definitely becoming extremely anxious. And this is very important to send messages in a quiet, calm voice in a manner that will explain everyone, that will explain other positions, that will take into consideration all the fears and all the anxiety, and that message would be accepted with better understanding, I hope. So it's as much a question of what is said, but also how it is said. Exactly. Dr. Bilyanin, is there anything that you would like to make sure the audience knows in conclusion before we wrap up our conversation? Well, uh, you know, just if, well, I can, I, if I send the message to the humanity, it would be a good thing, but I'm not the Messiah. But well, what I think that uh, taking control over own feelings of our own thoughts, trying to reorganize the way we think, uh, the way we act, the way we communicate, and trying to uh, have some plan and some strategy 
for living in different situations, whether it's restriction situations, whether it's a disaster, whether it's raining or it's a pollution, just I'm trying to change a little bit in ourselves and then try to change the situation in a positive way. That will be my message, just make the world a better place to live. Otherwise, why living in here? Dr. Bilalin, thank you so much for your time. It was, a, it was great talking to you. And uh, thanks for being in the program. Thank you for having me.